Food Pod? Foos Pod? I don't know. Hello, and welcome back, everyone. It's uh, your host for the podcast, uh, Ryan McKenna, and we are in episode two now. How's everyone doing? I hope you're both all doing well. I joined, joining me once again this week is the great analyst that I always have on my side, Peter Galindo and Jeff Lowe. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks, Ryan. It's good to be back. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was also good to see you yesterday, Ryan, by the way. Peter, it was honestly the highlight of, of my week so far. Actually, a close uh, competition between seeing you and picking up my $120 order from the LCBO and taking a grocery card to get it. Those are definitely the highlights of my week so far. Well, I think we know what number one is really in your heart, Ryan. Yeah, actually, it was having a coffee uh, and espresso yesterday. That was honestly number one. Wow, okay. I was <laughs> surprised you would say that, but thank um, you. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for, for joining me once again this week. Um, we're here to talk about the Bundesliga once again. I think where we left things last week was that there's a lot of movers and shakers uh, going on. And sort of after last week's action, it was Bayern Munich who appeared to almost wrap up the Bundesliga title for an eighth straight season. And so our attention sort of shifted more to the Champions League spots uh, as well as uh, to some other teams who are fighting to stay up. And so uh, just wondering before we get into breaking down the, the tables of you guys had any general thoughts on, on this past weekend's action? Yeah, I mean, what we saw was dominant performances from the top two teams. Uh, Bayern look as dominant as ever. And, and though it took Dortmund a little bit longer than, than they probably would have liked, they got on track in the second half this week and, and put up uh, a whopping six goals on, on Paderborn, including a Jaden Sancho hat trick. So, I mean, they're, they're on track. And then we also saw some bounce back performances from those teams that Ryan, you referred to who are in the championship or, or the champions league races. Leverkusen won on Friday, one nil. Munchen Gladbach had a big win over uh, Onion Ber- Berlin. Onion, is how you pronounce that, by the way. And, and Leipzig winning a, a crazy game as well on Monday. So uh, bounce back from a lot of those Champions League uh, contenders. And so all around, it's kind of back to normal at the top of the table as that Champions League race continues to heat up. Yeah, completely agreed. And uh, we've also seen, speaking of teams heating up, the likes of Hertha, who are surging up the table. I think it's only, and I'm sure we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit about uh, all these teams in, in a bit, but uh, Hertha, I believe, outside of Bayern, are the only team to have this good of a, of a run since Bruno Labbadia took over as coach. They've won, I think, 80 or 90% of their game since he took over, and all of, all of a sudden they're in a European race. So, so let's get a, a little bit of a, a look at the table here. And I, I want to focus on one team in particular, and that's... Uh, Eintracht. Peter made the point like it would be a monumental collapse if they went from being a contender for the Europa League title last year to, you know, on the verge of being relegated this season. But they sort of took Peter's words and they shoved them down everyone's throats. Um, and that started last Saturday with a big upset win over Wolfsburg. That one was 2-1. 
And then just earlier today, we're recording on Wednesday, they come back with uh, another big 3-0 victory over Werder Bremen. Werder, of, of course, is in 17th place. But regardless, that's two big wins for Frankfurt. And it puts them up to 11th in the table. And, you know, the way that the, the tables sort of look here, they're four points back of eighth place. And so if these past two matches are a result, maybe this is a team that, you know, contrary to what we were talking about last week, could actually surge. Honestly, them finishing in the top half of the table, I think would be justified and in a way a little bit deserved too, because in, in basically every single metric you look at, whether it's the total team expected goals, they're sixth in the league this season in that category, only the current top five are above Eintracht in that department. They're third in shots behind Bayern and RB Leipzig, but they were underperforming their their metrics defensively. Uh, they were underperforming their total expected goals against by about 10 goals, which led to this overall slide. And they were mid-table in terms of shots allowed, so it didn't really make a lot of sense that they were just pouring all the or Sorry, but they were just so porous. But now we've seen Andre Silva scoring now his eighth goal in about 1,200 minutes, which is incredible. Um, he's been on fire for them, and, and he's involved a lot in the buildup too, which is kind of interesting because Andre Silva really up until a year ago wasn't really that kind of player. Philip Kostic, who was outstanding today, uh, he'll, need a, uh, he'll need to be solid for Eintracht to continue this form and maybe even claim a European place, dare I say it. They were a bit lucky to beat Wolfsburg last week, but I think they needed that to get back on track, and now we're seeing that things are starting to kind of get back to normal here. Yeah, and with teams like Freiburg and Schalke, who we talked a bit about last week, uh, struggling as much as they are, Schalke's got four straight losses and Freiburg hasn't won a game in four straight. Uh, It's totally conceivable to think that Frankfurt, along with Hertha, could be those teams that that end up finishing in in the top half. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up about Schalke because this was a, a team whenever I, I was watching their match and they've now gone 11 games without a win. 11 games. Uh, this is a team that is normally a, a pretty decent force in the Bundesliga and they're on such a, a rut right now, losing to Werder Bremen 1-0 over the weekend and whatnot. That leaves them in 10th place and just two points up on Frankfurt so is this a team that can sort of get things back on track or, or they sort of, you know, lost their way here permanently for the rest of this Bundesliga season? I think it might be a little premature to say that they've lost their way for the entirety of the season because Peter talked a bit of, of last week about how they're, you know, they're a relatively young team. So it's entirely plausible that they're able to use that youth and exuberance to, to jump out of this this whole, but and then they also have a, a a relatively experienced manager in David Wagner. So I, I think it's possible that they bust out of this slump. But it's also really concerning that you know they're they're actually not that far from the you know the bot- the bottom teams. Not you know I wouldn't say relegation, but you know they could conceivably end up being in that twelve to fifteen spot if they continue a slide like they're in right now. And it's just it's just shocking to see, uh, you know, no pun intended, uh, a team like this with such high expectations to be performing the way that they are. So we talked a little bit earlier about Dortmund. 
they end up being 6-1 winners over Paderborn over the weekend. I think one of the most interesting aspects of this game was uh, after Jaden Sancho's first goal, uh, he takes off his kit to display a tribute to George Floyd uh, with the words justice for George Floyd on his shirt. Nashraf Hakimi, he did the same thing or a similar thing uh, later in the match. Guys, I, I, I know we typically talk about soccer on this podcast, but um, social justice and, and definitely um, signs of, of outpouring of support for uh, the black community and, and George Floyd and his family is pretty hard to escape uh, these days. What did you guys both uh, make of, I guess, uh, the, the outpouring of support, at least in, in the sporting world uh, that we've seen for George Floyd uh, this past weekend? I, I think it's incredibly commendable for the, the players who did take the time to honor George Floyd during their uh, goal celebrations and whatnot, because it's not, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do undoubtedly. And it came from, from a lot of uh, players who have a lot of eyes on them, you know, specifically Jaden Sancho, uh, but Marcus Turam and, and Weston McKinney as well. And, and it's just, it sets a great example for, athletes in general who have the platform to be able to make a difference with their actions and, and the things that they say. And um, for those players who are in a league that is really the only major league in action right now across the world, that has a big impact. And it's, it's really commendable that they took the time to do those tributes. Completely agreed. Uh, obviously we are three white men talking about this, but just to see the players using their platforms for raising awareness on what is a very serious issue is very great to see because a lot of times we do not see, especially footballers, we do not see a lot of footballers taking political stances. Um, if you want to call it, if you want to call this a political stance. Um, but you, you've seen now, I mean, everybody across the world, athletes across the world now standing up and saying something, which is nice to see. And overall, I, I think that the Bundesliga, it, at least the fan culture, has always been very progressive. They've always been anti-racism, anti-fascist, pro-LGBT, everything. They, they've been very commendable in those areas. And even though we do not have fans present in the stadiums, it's great to see that these players are kind of carrying that platform without the fans. Because I'm sure the, the, the supporters, the ultras specifically, would be behind them 100% as well. And I think, Jeff, you, you raised such a good point. I mean, if this had happened with other North American sports going on, I think you would have seen more displays, public displays, especially in the NBA, uh, of this kind of support. But it was nice to see at least a handful of players in the Bundesliga, even though they're in Europe and this is all happening in the United States, to actually take some action and, and show their support for George Floyd in and the black community. So kudos to those players for, for making, uh, making an impact um, this past weekend. I think now it's time for more players to do this and, and specifically more white players to show their support for this cause as well. It's just hugely important with their platform to be able to use this to move the conversation forward and show everybody through their actions that support is necessary.
hundred percent, Jeff, a hundred percent. And, uh, and that's a great point. I want to turn our attention now a little bit to some Canadian content. And as per usual, it's the Alfonso Davies segment of our, of our podcast, uh, episode two, and there's still lots to talk about with Alfonso. Uh, Byron picked up a 5-0 victory over Dusseldorf on the weekend. Um, and so Davies, he, uh, he got on the board in the second half, I believe it was the 53rd. Now, shortly after Robert Lewandowski scored uh, a goal in the 50th. And uh, Davies, uh, as I mentioned, gets on the board. He doesn't give up on the play and just powered through uh, the Duffeldorf defense. So I feel actually pretty similar to his goal against Frankfurt a couple matches ago. Peter, you obviously uh, were, were delving into Davies' uh, performance quite heavily. What did you make of, of how he fared against Dusseldorf? It was a very weird game because it was almost like a tale of two halves, at least for him. Now, we should preface this by saying Fortuna Dusseldorf are not very good, and they were not very good in this game. Much like Eintracht Frankfurt were not very good in the match they played against Bayern a week and a half ago. But the first half was super interesting because Davies was pushing very high up the pitch, even more so than usual. And it was understandable because when you're playing against a team like Fortuna, you know you're going to just completely dominate. You want to put the pressure on them. You want to keep them pinned into their own half of the pitch, in some cases their own third of the pitch. So it made sense why Davies was doing that. But because Fortuna focused a lot of attention on him and were overloading Davies' side of the pitch, it opened up the other flank for Bayern and that's where basically all three of their goals got created was down the right or at least in the right half space Um, but then in the second half the floodgates opened all over (laughs) no matter whether it was the left or the right and then that's where Davies obviously profited he got his goal um, and he was everywhere yet again and it's gotten to the point where in matches like these where it's not against a marquee opponent when it's almost like a routine game for Bayern all their players usually perform well. There are very few instances where they don't. So the fact that Davies is now at that level, this should now be the expectation every single week if he's not playing against a Dortmund or, as we'll see on the weekend, a Bayer Leverkusen, that, that sort of quality of a team. But that doesn't mean that what he is doing is not impressive, because it is. The fact that he's reached this level now where we expect this from him just speaks a lot to his development this season. He now has three goals seven assists in all competitions with Bayern this season. For context, when he was playing as a winger with the Vancouver Whitecaps in 2018, his last season there, he had eight goals and nine assists. So even though he's been playing left back, he's been getting quite involved offensively, as we have seen. And playing against, you know, with all all due respect to the MLS, much tougher uh, competition on a consistent week-to-week basis. The thing, Peter, that was greatly put, and the thing to me about Davies is not only is he performing consistently week to week at um, what's not his natural position for the be- one of the better teams in the world and one of the best leagues in the world, but it's the way that he plays, and maybe this is a bit of Canadian bias, that really jumps off the screen to me. Obviously, his speed and his size as well, just everything, you can, you can really see him. He stands out, um, and more and more in every game that he's uh, playing a part in, he stands out more and more. It, it's been really impressive to see um, and, and a really great thing to 
watch progress for Canadian sports fans during this period of time. Sure, and he was also very defensively active in that first half, despite the fact he wasn't, I guess, getting too much space in that first half. I mean, he broke up that counterattack for Fortuna that led to Bayern's opening goal. He had that crucial block. Um, he stopped a couple potential counterattacks from building up from Fortuna in their defensive third. So despite the fact he maybe wasn't completely consistent offensively throughout the game, the fact that he was contributing defensively made up for that. I think the discussion about Bayern actually uh, gives us a good lead into our next segment, which is looking ahead to this weekend's matches. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because Bayern uh, takes on Leverkusen on, on Saturday morning in Canada. And what's interesting about that is Leverkusen uh, Gladbach are currently tied for that fourth and final Champions League spot in the Bundesliga on 56 points. Uh, they've both got identical records so far through 29 match days. And so that, that matchup for Leverkusen on, on Saturday is going to be a big one. Not to be outdone, uh, Gladbach takes on Freiburg, who is in eighth place on 38 points on Friday afternoon. Guys, those are two massive games for both Leverkusen and Gladbach coming up this weekend. Yeah, and if we see some unexpected results, the table uh, could look a bit different the next time we talk next week. If, if Leverkusen can somehow pull out three points against Bayern, and, and I say somehow, you know, it might not be as far-fetched as, as it sounds, but it's going to be a tough, a tough out no matter what, then we could be looking at a much different Champions League uh, race picture this time next week. Yeah, should be very great. We have Davies versus Kai Havertz, two of the informed players since the restart. It, it should be a lot of fun to watch. I'm also looking forward to Dortmund versus Hertha. As I mentioned, Hertha have been on fire. Um, I can't wait to see Dortmund's youngsters going up against the likes of Dodi Lukavakio and Mateus Cunha, who've been incredible. Also another player to watch for Hertha, uh, actually a Hertha lifer, is uh, Jordan Torunariga, the centre-back who's partnered with Dedrick Boyata. They've both been immense together. And Hertha, much like you know, the likes of Eintracht Frankfurt, therefore points adrift of a Europa League place somehow, despite the fact it was looking pretty grim for them a couple months ago before the pandemic struck. And then kind of on the other side of things, more so in terms of which team can sort of snap their, their bad run of form, Schalke versus the team we now call Onion Berlin, that's going to be basically a tale of who is going to suck the least. Um, Union Berlin have been very, sorry, Onion Berlin have been very, tough to beat, but offensively they've kind of struggled a little bit. They're a team that tends to score a lot off set pieces, um, so Schalke will have to be careful with that. The only thing I want to see from Schalke is starting Ahmed Kutuchu. For some bizarre reason, he doesn't start. What do they have to lose? They got no goals from any of their other strikers. Amin Harid and Suat Serdar are both hurt. They're their top two scorers. Just go for it at this point if you're David Wagner. Peter, I love your saltiness. It's so much fun. Well, yeah, and I also want to uh, say that it's it's commendable that you're pronouncing Onion Berlin so perfectly. And, and one, th <laughs> one more thing I want to point to about this weekend is just looking at the bottom of the table where uh, that relegation playoff spot is now getting very interesting between Dusseldorf and Mainz. And, and if things go Dusseldorf's way this weekend, they play Hoffenheim uh, and Mainz uh, is at Frankfurt. That goes Dusseldorf's way, then Mainz then finds himself in that 
in that playoff relegation spot. So that's going to be really interesting to watch this weekend. And overall, that area of the table is kind of uh, beautiful chaos. There's um, there's only four total wins between the teams from 12th to 18th over the last five match days. Two for Bremen, one from Dusseldorf, and one from Augsburg. So there's a lot of bad teams, and there's going to be a lot of chaotic results, uh, which could mean a pretty crazy bottom uh, finish at the bottom of the table. Big time, Jeff. And as always, it, it will be interesting and, and fun to, uh, to watch the action unfold uh, starting on Friday afternoon in Canada. Um, shortly after we finish recording our last podcast or our inaugural podcast of the Foos or the Foob pod, um, you decide, uh, listener, which one you would like. It was uh, announced, I, I believe it was almost the, I think it was the, the day after that we recorded all these other leagues. Uh, decided their return to play and when they would come back. And most notably for us and, and those who follow our podcasting ventures, the Prem Pod um, and the Premier League is slated to return two weeks today on June the 17th. Uh, just uh, would love to get your guys' reactions before we wrap up for, for the day as to what your thoughts are on, on having the, the Premier League uh, have a, a scheduled date to, to return to action. It's going to be amazing, first of all, to have all the leagues back. We also saw that Portugal, um, Portuguese football return today, and there are going to be games up until Friday night, which I cannot wait for. I already watched one today, and I loved it. But all the other top leagues are coming back. MLS is coming back in July. Other leagues in the Americas are set to return around the same time. It's just fantastic to see. But the the only kind of worry I guess I'd have is – you know, with the UK's COVID-19 situation still very, very poor, and we're still seeing some positive tests coming out from all these Premier League rounds of, of testing, you know, one or two or, you know, God forbid, more than that, tests, it's positive tests, that is, it's going to really test the resolve of the league. I'm sure they're going to try and finish no matter what, but, you know, if those positive uh, tests keep coming in, what happens to the rest of the league season? Because at some point it, it might get a little bit out of hand. Who knows? Yeah. And from, from what I've heard from certain reports and what I've read, um, it sounds like they don't really have a plan at this point in time. If that season is forced to restop again, they, they don't have decisions made on what they're going to do with relegation and what they're going to do with the champions league spots and yada, yada, yada. So that could result in some pretty chaotic scenes 100 percent, jeff and and i i think everyone who has followed the the pandemic so far is is definitely a little bit cautious and skeptical uh about a second wave hitting or you know it's it's the first wave is still pre- prevalent in, in many spots especially in the uk so you know it it is definitely a, an optimistic approach that the, the premier league and some of these other leagues are taking but um I just hope from my perspective that they do it right and that they do it safely and that uh, those um, involved are as protected as possible. Okay, guys. Well, well, this was a lot of fun talking about the Bundesliga once again. Um, That was episode two of the Foob or the Foos pod. You decide. Um, I got to stop saying you decide. Guys, what are your thoughts? Which one would you prefer? Uh, Foob all the way. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, I I agree. Let's just stick to it. You started episode one with it. You might as well continue.
it's part of your brand now, Ryan. My brand sounded like an idiot. Uh, Thank you so much. Can't wait to win a Peabody Award. For Jeff Flo and Peter Galindo, I'm Ryan McKenna. This was episode two of the Food Pod. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. (laughs) 